Welcome to Purpose 360. I'm Carol Cohn, and today more than ever before, companies, brands, and their partners need to stand for something beyond the bottom line. I've created this program to provide insights and ideas to share with you so that you can apply them to your work the very next day. The goal here is to up-level your purpose and to benefit companies and society. So please join us. excited about this interview today with Balaji Ganapati, who is Chief Social Responsibility Officer for Tata Consultancy Services. You may recall that we had Balaji on the show about a year ago when the pandemic, the months started taking place. And the question was, how can a company truly support its employees? Well, Tata Consultancy Services is one of those companies that has purpose right at the center. And they have incredible programs that truly embed purpose into their training, their culture, um, their operations. Well, during the pandemic, and we're going to have a fabulous conversation with Balaji today, what did TCS do really early on? And then what did they do in terms of amping up current programs and truly taking care of their employees when they immediately pivoted to a work-from-home environment? At the core of this conversation is a war for talent. And why must companies truly rethink and reevaluate and evolve their employee engagement, their training, their even their customer service policies that will engage so many employees? Because prior to the pandemic, as Balaji said, there was a war on talent that truly existed. But now it will be something you've never seen before. So let's begin our conversation. Welcome back, Balaji. Thank you, Carol. It's always a pleasure. It's a humbling experience to be uh, talking to you. I mean, you've done so much for uh, the social impact, social cause space. Uh, it's a pressure to be back and it's a pressure to be a friend. Yeah, I I think the friendship is the best part. So so thank you so much. <laughs> and you've, have, did you celebrate your 17th anniversary at TCS? It's about <laughs> happening. Uh, I mean, time flies so much and especially the past year, um, I mean, has been so challenging. I think uh, every milestone is something that uh, I celebrate. And this is an organization that has given me an opportunity to build multiple careers within the last uh, couple of decades. So uh, looking forward to more years to come. Absolutely. And, and they are they are so lucky to have you. So let me just do a little bit by the numbers so that people who don't know TCS, um, they will get a sense of the scope of the company. Um, it is um, one of the divisions of uh, the Tata Group, which I believe it's an over 150-year-old company, um, one of the most purpose at the center, oldest companies in the world. Um, and uh, Tata is headquartered in Mumbai, India. Um, TCS was founded in 1968. Um, it has $22 billion in revenues, and it is almost at a half a million people. Uh, it has 488,000 employees, and I know that we're going to talk about the war for talent in a post-COVID world as, as part of our conversation. I love the fact that you um, employ over 146 nationalities and that you are um, have operations in 50 countries. And you also, congratulations, in the past year alone, you won over 30 awards, including being a super brand. And super brands, uh, there are very few. There are 35 in this country. And that you are in the technology sector right up there with um, Google and Amazon. 
And so I, I don't know, just it's a little aside, but, you know, how did it feel to be named a super brand? Oh, I think uh, it's a testament to the efforts that uh, our management team and our cross-functional teams have done. And the focus that we have had on our customers in creating value through uh, digital technologies, uh, uh, I think that's what's showing up. I think we've been more uh, vocal about uh, what we do and how it benefits uh, uh, companies and society and people. And that has helped us elevate the brand equity considerably uh, over the last few years. And, and I think because you are a purpose at the center company, that being so large, and I think that, you know, you always said to me that, you know, you're a global information technology services company and that you are either the largest, like, you know, you said on a good day, you beat IBM and you beat Accenture. Where are you right now today, size-wise? So we are still one of the most valuable technology companies in the world. Uh, I think it's either Accenture or us uh, on any given day. Uh, but more importantly, I think, uh, you know, we're a company that is founded on values and built on belief. Right? Belief that uh, innovation and collective knowledge can really create better futures for people and uh, consumers and companies. And so helping uh, customers uh, and uh, uh, governments and other entities uh, that we work with on a growth and transformation journey is at the core of uh, uh, everything that we do. Um, so it's humbling to be recognized with uh, companies uh, uh, that are leading uh, globally. Uh, but I think uh, uh, any, any organization that is creating value for their customers, value for their consumers and for all stakeholders uh, will have a leadership position in society today. And so that gives us a great segue to the comment that you have coined, that purpose is the new technology. And I know when we discussed that in our previous uh, podcast, that I have immediately put it in all my presentations. I give you all the credit for it. And now it's also on your LinkedIn page. And I would love you to share with our listeners, what does it mean? that purpose is the new technology? I think it is really critical to know that uh, the era that we are in, right? Uh, a lot of, uh, uh, especially in the last couple of years, there's a lot being talked about purpose and being purpose-centric, purpose-driven. I think uh, what we need to recognize that it is not a passing fad, right? It is not just a, a nice word uh, coined and to be used uh, to purpose wash and you know make yourself seem better and bigger than what you are. I think it is a shift in culture, uh, in popular culture, because consumers are demanding that organizations pay more attention to uh, their supply chain, whom they work with, whom they employ, whom they uh, serve, and how they do that. Uh, at the same time, society in general is expecting uh, companies to do much more than before uh, and play a more active role in creating a more equitable society. Right? And companies themselves are going through a transformation where, you know, I, I, last time we spoke, I, we were talking about how the half-life of a company, a Fortune 500 company has gone down from about 50 years in the 1950s to about 27 years now. If you need to be a company that is there for the long term, you need to constantly reinvent them yourselves for uh, creating value for your consumers. But what do you anchor yourself? You anchor yourself to purpose, right? So why purpose is the new tech is that in the last uh, decade or so, every company wanted to be a tech company, right? Whether you are in hospitality, whether you are in tra travel, whether you are in banking or financial services, manufacturing, telecommunication, you don't want to be called as those uh, domains or those business areas. The cool thing was to be a tech company, right? Quote, unquote. And the cool thing today is to be a purpose-driven company, quote, unquote. And the, the, the value here is that you can create incredible value for all of your stakeholders if you truly live that uh, uh, nomenclature of being a purpose-driven company. So that's what I believe. The purpose is a new tech is a, a statement that defines the era that we are in, where creating value for all your stakeholders, putting purpose at the core of what you do, and transforming your own business models to be inclusive, equitable, and create value for uh, society is going to create uh, incredible growth opportunities economically and uh, socially for uh, for all. So I truly believe in that, and I really appreciate you, you know, uh, um, taking this message to your audiences. Uh, you're very well respected, and you know, it's really humbling for me to 
uh, have that message carried by you to your listeners, your audience around the world. People really, they go, whoa, you're, you know, they really, you know, sit up and go, that's profound. So thank you for it. And I love giving you attribution all the time. So let's get into why I wanted you back today, because we've all gone through COVID and COVID is still around. And I, I just want to start by just saying that um, certainly what has happened in in India in terms of COVID, um, it was two or three weeks ago, it was the lead in the news. It was just horrible and devastating. And I just want to ask you, I know that um, the Tata group um, has set aside over $200 million um, for recovery and responses and such, but how are you doing as a company and also as a country? Thanks for the empathy. I think, uh, you know, this this whole um, the pandemic has brought to light the differences, especially the spatial differences, uh, uh, you know, that exist in society today. And some of the challenges that we in the United States went through last year in a similar time frame is what is being reflected in countries like India and Brazil and a few other places around the world right now. Um, you know, on the one hand, uh, we know more about uh, how this disease is uh, contracted, how it spreads, um, what it does to your, um, your body, um, how you can uh, prevent it, um, certain drugs and medicines to reduce the effects of it, and vaccines. I mean, incredible. A year ago when we were talking, we did not know that all of this was going to be there. So we made incredible progress. But at the same time, like I said, the spatial disparities are huge. Um, we are uh, in a privileged position in the United States where most, uh, more than half of the population have been vaccinated. And uh, we are talking about normalcy and return to uh, how it was pre-COVID. But uh, most of the world, especially the global south, is still struggling with the effect of the disease. So India and what happened in the last uh, couple of months is, um, um, you know, it's a wake-up call for the rest of the world. Um, fortunately, the strains that are being uh, seen in India and some other parts of the world are uh, being still addressed through the existing vaccines. But imagine a scenario where these strains uh, start to uh, break through the immunity that is being built through the vaccines and what kind of a world that we will be living in, right? So it's so fragile. So let me put it in context. The last year uh, waves uh, that happened around the world, especially in India, when swift action was taken by uh, leaders across the world, I think we were able to slow down the spread of the disease. Uh, but with a lot of information that has come in and the impact that uh, shutdowns and restrictions have had on the economy, people are taking uh, different kind of decisions right now, right? So the spread of the disease happened so quickly. And uh, the, the difference is that last year, a lot of the migrant population in India were affected because they were mobile and they had to go back home uh, where uh, in their villages and where they belong. And that con contributed to the spread of the disease. Whereas this time, it is um, agnostic of uh, race, religion, um, uh, where you are located, your uh, economic status. It is spreading uh, all around India. And uh, so while the um, news has started to subside in terms of number of cases, I can tell you from... Uh, people who are uh, in our teams, in our families, uh, in communities uh, uh, in India, the, the situation remains grim. Um, it is a challenging situation because um, unless we get to a place where vaccination happens in large scale, uh, you're going to see the effect of the disease continue and the devastation continue. So um, from a Tata Group perspective, of course, last year when we had made this pledge of 200 million, we also put together a cross-functional team across group companies because each of the companies in different sectors have their strengths, right? We have strength in manufacturing, in logistics, in distribution, in procurement, in technology, in so many different areas. And the work that we did between then and this, uh, this in this last one year has formed the foundation of our response right now. We put up COVID uh, hospitals, we put up medical facilities, um, you know, fully equipped with hospital beds and ventilators and medical equipment. We increased capacity of doctors, medical professionals as well. And now communication converting into vaccination drives. 
I'd love to talk about the role of uh, that in helping us get back to more normalcy. Um, but it is it is still a tough time, uh, uh, and I want our listeners to recognize that you know it is not equitable, right? Many parts of the world are still suffering, and uh, what we can do is to bring attention to this. And uh, we live in a global world. Whatever is happening in one part of the world is going to affect us one way or the other. So how do we create more vaccine equity? How do we create more equity and access to these um, facilities? It's an important conversation we need to have. And, and we will have that conversation in, in a moment. We'll also put in our show notes that where any of our listeners can make contributions. I mean, I know that I did make contributions uh, to the recovery um, in India and uh, shared it on social. And I got some interesting feedback from people who wanted to also do that. Um, let's shift now. You're, you're welcome. I mean, it's, you know, we are a global humanity and we have to express it all the time. Let's talk about what did TCS learn during the first half of COVID? Um, you know, last six, maybe because, you know, in the beginning it was, you know, maybe the beginning and then also you started getting into some, dare I say, routine, but how many of your people actually you shifted because, you know, to work from home? And I know you said that um, in a flash, you know, all can change. And uh, I think that because you are a technology company, you really change fast. So what did you learn? What did you do? What did you learn? I think the strength and resilience of our people, of our teams, was uh, really uh, came through uh, when the need of the hour was high. Um, what did we learn? I think in the initial few weeks of the pandemic, especially in March and April, we learned that we needed to quickly pivot while safety and health and well-being of our own employees was important to focus on, and we did that. We also needed to ensure that continuity of uh, services that were performed by our customers was also important to address. So we addressed that and we created a soft, secure, borderless workplace model where uh, we were quickly able to pivot about 97% of our population to work remotely and uh, without any uh, uh, major incidents, without any challenges, continue to support our customers uh, in that model. Right, And that model largely remains intact even now as uh, we navigate through the highs and the lows in terms of each country going through um, reopening cycles and uh, back to office kind of uh, setup. A few things that we were able to do early on that has helped us in this journey and has formed great learnings is that initially itself, we um, uh, announced uh, a, a slew of uh, uh, talent practices um, uh, to do with uh, paid quarantine leave, um, a support team that uh, would look at well-being of employees when they needed uh, to reach out. And then governance committees and monitoring committees where leaders across the organization could do stand-up calls and quickly address issues as they were coming up or proactively address uh, areas that we needed to strengthen. So all that contributed to a point where we were able to continue our growth, uh, continue serving customers while taking care of our employees and supporting the community. And, and what was the response from customers when they saw the speed at which you, you responded? Incredible response. I mean, um, very important uh, services, uh, citizen services and other services in the countries could have been disrupted. Uh, but uh, thanks to the work done by our teams and others in this kind of uh, space, um, we were able to continue providing that support. So the customer feedback has been tremendous. Employee feedback has also been very positive. Carol, you asked me the lessons, right? One of the things in putting these together, now in hindsight, you will think that, okay, every organization is doing this today, right? But to have the foresight to be able to do it early on and focus on mental health. Mental health was an area that in April or May of last year, we started doing sessions to engage uh, our employees. Um, and, uh, you know, in an in a in-person environment, a lot of uh, the team uh, camaraderie, the kind of, um, you know, the fun and the team building that happens in person, how do you replicate it virtually while at the same time helping people address, you know, mental challenges and issues that they are facing because all of a sudden, you know, you're confined to a certain space, you have to take care of your families, you have to take care of people who are not in your location, but you are responsible for 
um so much of uh, pressure being put on people so the focus on mental health and tcs cares which is a program that we run within the company um you know that uh, was a huge lesson that was learned in the last year and that is paying us a lot of rich dividends our attrition rate in the last year was the lowest ever in history 7.2% is our attrition rate so but 97% of our employees chose to uh, 93% of our employees chose to remain with us so um even during this challenging time when companies are starting to look for and hiring talent uh, in huge numbers i think it's important to note and i'd love you to say it again pre covid that your retention rate was probably if not the highest one of the five highest in the world and can you give our listeners the numbers it's like was it 87 to 89% i mean they're really high that is correct uh, around uh, 10 to 11% uh, attrition was uh, there and it was industry leading and benchmark and now uh, in the past year it's dropped down to 7.2% so highest retention rate ever and uh, incredibly during this time we also had 43 million hours of learning that our employees were able to go through during this past year so that is another lesson we learned that if you have a model where anytime anywhere learning is accessible to your employees um uh, especially during a time when commute times are cut and people have more time on hand to invest in themselves um you know the they and the opportunities are there and you're providing as a company the resources uh people take it up in huge numbers that's such an important point that that time that they were used to advance themselves and that is helping them advance in their career too so we ran a program and it is ongoing one called elevate where we help uh, uh, link learning to careers so anyone who is taking on uh, additional uh, professional development opportunities and gaining new skills new certifications what we are doing is um, we have transformed into a talent cloud model where earlier a lot of the opportunities was location based right of course as a global organization with uh, presence in uh, uh, 46 uh, countries around the world we do have global opportunities but in many cases within those countries within those environments the roles were limited to a certain location what has happened in the past year is a talent cloud model where wherever opportunity uh, you know opportunities opened up to wherever you are so um, that has also uh, excited a lot of our uh, workforce even more especially women and others who may find it challenging to move from one place to another to take on new roles so higher roles right so it is creating more equity at the same time it is creating more access democratizing more access to opportunities within the company we're going to take a pause for a moment because this is a great conversation and we're going to go to our in the know section One of my favorite companies as you know for data is Just Capital. And Just Capital has their Just 100 rankings that they do with Forbes. But based on the challenges to COVID and in a new normal world, they recently released a list of the top 100 US companies supporting healthy communities and families. compared with other companies in the Russell 1000 the top performers yeah they had 73% fewer controversies related to the health and environmental impacts of their products and services less time with lawyers less time with law firms that's a great result they also emitted 25% less in their scope 1 and 2 emissions that makes sense a lot of people weren't traveling and such and people were working from home so they, the companies weren't um having these emissions they were good citizens in terms of what they were doing with their employees 3.3 times more likely to provide additional paid sick leave um to their employees they were 2.5 times more likely to provide a wage increase but here was the ultimate financial payoff 
they outperformed the Russell 1000 benchmark by 4.6% over the trailing year. So I suggest that you go to um, Just Capital, um, click on news and their most recent uh, reports. And um, it's it's a fascinating read. And by the way, you're probably saying, okay, Carol, who were in the top few? Well, number one was NVIDIA Corp. Number two, Microsoft. And Microsoft has been right at the top of the Just 100 for years. BOA, Bank of America, number three. Salesforce.com, always at the cutting edge, number four. Intel, five. J.P. Morgan Chase and company, six. Synchrony Financial, seven. Workday, interestingly, a, a new one coming in at eight. Cap One Financial, nine. Apple, 10. ATT, 11, et cetera, et cetera. It's a great list. Great insights. Share it with your colleagues. Now back to our conversation with Balaji. So let's talk about what individuals at your level are thinking about now and planning, which is return to the office. Um, some people are calling it return to work, which is um, we're hearing a lot of our clients saying September is really kind of the time we're planning about welcoming people back and such. But I, we really wanted to talk with you about what are your plans? Because you had so many people that instantly transitioned, 97%, you said, to, you know, to at home. And so what what you can share with us, what are your plans? What are the challenges? What are you planning to support your employees with as they perhaps make a transition to a hybrid or even just saying, hey, I'm not going to be with my kids now and my my pets? It is a very interesting time because, you know, um, I, I think we need to really um, live the values of diversity, equity, and inclusion that uh, all of us in companies and in uh, uh, leadership positions are touting, especially in the past year, right? And recognize that uh, a return to office environment is probably not equitable to all. You know, um, you know. Last time we spoke, we touched upon the point that uh, more women have left the workforce in the first few months of COVID than in the past uh, uh, a couple of years prior to COVID, right? So, and the, uh, especially in the US, if you see the return to um, take on new jobs and um, the employment opportunities, there is still that uh, gap that uh, exists. Uh, Globally, if you look at our operations and where we are and uh, our plan, last year itself, we had articulated a 25 by 25 vision, which is that by 2025, only 25% of the population of uh, TCSA employees need to be um, working uh, in an actual uh, workplace, in an office. And only 25% of the time does someone need to work uh, in an office environment. Even with that, our goal is to get 100% productivity uh, from each employee. So what that helped uh, early on is set a clear path in terms of what we are going to do as an organization and address people's concerns in terms of when they feel it is safe and responsible to come back to work. Of course, we are monitoring the situation every day, every week. And as countries are reopening and providing more opportunities for people to come to an office environment, we are starting to open up our facilities. But we are doing, we, are, we have a tool called uh, the Intelligent Urban Exchange, which we use uh, uh, in terms of uh, looking at data and analytics and insights to guide our thinking. So that tool also helps us in risk assessment, in terms of, especially now with vaccination, what kind of uh, vaccination status exists within the population? Where do people reside versus where they are going to come to work? Uh, what is the prevalence of COVID and other cases in the region? What are the other basic health parameters that are needed to make the workplace safe? And you have to give confidence and trust to your employees that if they come back, they're not put in harm's way. I think we'll take it one step at a time and using these uh, parameters to guide us. And uh, it is going to be a progressive uh, effort. You're not going to get 100% of your workforce back in a short period of time. And uh, I don't know if it uh, 
you know, if if the new model of work requires that to happen. So hybrid will be certainly the future. We will, uh, as as the situation uh, improves and uh, as restrictions start to go down, we will explore uh, how to bring employees back to work uh, in an office environment because it's a misnomer to say come back to work, right? Uh, people have been slogging and, uh, uh, you know, passionately and uh, committedly working over the past year. So the equity lens is important to look at here. Um, uh, but I do believe that in the next one year, a lot of lessons will be learned by companies like ours and others um, like the Microsofts and the Apples and others who are uh, adopting a hybrid model and uh, lessons will be learned. Uh, one of the lessons and that we have learned that we are applying now, um, Carol, which you may find interesting is that uh, earlier, people used to use office as uh, the basis for team building and uh, daily activities and uh, um, you know interactions. Now we have uh, clearly proven that that can happen in a remote environment. How do you use offices as more of uh, um, innovation hubs? Right? So earlier we used to do offsites outside the work and you know workplace, but you can convert your workplace to innovation hubs where you can do those offsites and those innovation discussions in person, and the rest of the day-to-day -day work can happen remotely. That is the model that we are gravitating towards and uh, seeing good signs of uh, how we are able to support our employees while uh, um, creating great value for our customers. So that's where we are going. So how much of the employee input are you getting to look at the new design of whether it's an innovation hub or the 25 by 25 or, or other new programs? Uh, that's a very good question. I think the employee, we, we call it Pulse, which is the employee uh, survey that we do internally, uh, both on satisfaction and engagement. We had some of the highest scores that we have ever had historically in the past year. And one of the reasons is that there is more avenues for employees to connect and share what they are going through, what they're expecting, how the company is responding to it. And uh, I think uh, that uh, mode of communication and uh, the, uh, again, uh, the ability to use their feedback to quickly pivot and change direction in terms of policy, in terms of communication, in terms of practices, um, and access to services and facilities, all of that is uh, at the core of how we are dealing with this, right? So um, we are seeing very positive feedback from them. And where we are seeing concerns, we are taking measured steps to ensure that, uh, especially as I said, right, uh, vaccine uh, vaccination, vaccination status is an important factor for people to feel confident, uh, not just uh, safety measures and ensuring that uh, you have a clean, sterile workplace. I want to connect some dots here. You talked about doing early mental health. You've talked about a concern about women because they are the traditional caregivers, whether it's children, pets, parents, or such. And you've talked about listening. How are these coming together? It seems like you're ahead of the curve. And so how are these coming together, your great listeners, to it seems like you're more responsive to your employees even before the return to the office? We have to be. I think uh, we owe it to them. I mean, take my own personal situation. I have two kids at home and, you know, my own role since my, I used to travel about 60, 70% of the time. And since I'm more at home in the past year, my role as a caregiver has changed. But that does not mean that, you know, if you talk about return to a workplace, what impact does it do to our own family? And uh, think about uh, school. Um, especially for younger kids, uh, it's still not clear whether in-person or hybrid or blended or uh, what do they call team A, team B models will happen, right? So, uh, you know, I, I think as a leader, I have developed more empathy for what uh, people go through um, through my own experiences. And I think in the larger uh, organization also, that empathy has translated to more um, you know, an employee-driven view of how we should evolve our practices, right? So the mental health focus came from the uh, demand from our employees or from the challenges that they were facing, what they were saying, and what we were listening and hearing from them. 
and uh, the focus on women and uh, others who are uh, whose roles are even more challenging now also has come from that background so i, I think uh, organizations need to pay attention to this and uh, you know any call to action to say that uh, okay let's get back 100% to office is is myopic right you need to widen your lens especially in today's day and age when you call yourself as a diversity champion or equity champion look at it from the lens of those who are not in your shoes right those who you you know you, you don't uh, interact with or empathize with on a daily basis you have to put yourself in those shoes understand and that's where listening plays a key role unless you listen how will you know how what they are going through and how you can address that so are you doing anything additive in listening for example the the individuals who decide to come back physically to the office um will there be either taking current programs and doing more of them or anything new a complete transformation of programs carol i think all of our talent practices uh, you know some of which i spoke about elevate which is linking learning to careers or talent cloud which is uh, our internal marketplace where people can uh move into new positions and opportunities to grow in their career or if you look at uh, you know even our engagement practices uh, how uh, uh, managers are having interactions with their teams how business unit leaders are able to engage with their whole organization and how executives are able to convey messages and communicate to the entire pcs i mean all of that is transformed uh, over the past year and when we come back to a work environment where it is hybrid i think we need to be even more sensitive to the to the fact that we are inclusive right it does not mean that who is coming into the office gets something uh, more than others or in a is in a better place position but this is easier said than done i think as uh, hr practitioners as leaders um, we will all have a journey of learning where we will realize um, you know um, some uh, some of the inherent biases that every organization has and especially in this kind of a context but uh, i think we will also push the envelope much further than ever before uh, in these sort of talent practices and and it's interesting that that you mentioned inclusive because now with a hybrid office inclusive has another definition and i'm curious about how your hr team integrates with your team and other teams because you just seem so far ahead in terms of being strategic we are all part of the same uh, group see actually csr sits within the hr space given that um, you know our uh, large employee pool and our talent focus drives a lot of our community initiatives as well right um so it is it is uh, something which is very symbiotic because um what uh, um i mean if you really look at the story of tcs and uh, the boom of uh, opportunities in the services sector around the world it is all about democratizing opportunity to every individual to participate in the digital economy right and uh, last time we spoke about uh, our vision for uh, csr is that right to connect people to opportunity in the digital economy especially with the focus on uh, women marginalized uh, groups and youth so it it is very symbiotic it is um, um you know uh, and uh, i truly value that because um, not only do we have uh, authentic partnerships with business leaders and uh, even customers internally the alignment is so well that uh, all of the practices talent practices that we have the strengths that we have we are able to apply those strengths uh, to address community related issues because all of the challenges that we were talking about in the past 30 minutes or so apply even more to communities and especially marginalized people in community right so here in america we are seeing black and brown and uh, asians uh, having more disparities in the past year than uh, others right and uh, there is a rising consciousness and voice on how to address it but it is people it is companies it is leaders who have to step up and do that so that is our role that is today's uh, you know leadership role is about walking the talk in terms of inclusion and uh, you know converting your statements to actions internally absolutely um during the pandemic 
because, you know, for our listeners, again, one of the things, a practice that just blew me away for TCS is that when a new recruit comes in during their orientation, which is what, two, three months, their first client is a not-for-profit in the community. And I just, I never forget that story. I always tell it and people go, whoa, they really, really walk the talk. Oh, so during the pandemic, when people could not go out and physically volunteer or help with with digital transition of a not-for-profit or such, what did you do to keep up that connection? All of our programs, we moved to a digital model in the first few weeks of the pandemic, whether it is serving K-12 students or uh, uh, in the U.S. or educators across uh, the world or uh, marginalized youth uh, in India or villages in uh, rural parts of the world, we were able to shift to a digital model. And uh, what we realized is that, again, the democratization of who could be a volunteer and who could support these initiatives. Uh, Earlier, if you were located in a particular location, like, for example, if you're in New Jersey and you're supporting the food bank in Hillside, uh, you have uh, probably about 500,000 people living in this area within TCS who can support that. Now, if you are able to do Remotely, for example, what we did with American Red Cross to help them with the missing maps. Missing maps is basically, I'm giving you as an example, uh, a project where uh, people can remotely come together and identify places that are missing on the map so that caregivers and others who are responding to disasters have an accurate depiction of what uh, to expect on the ground. Now, whether you are doing it in person or uh, in a small group, uh, we were able to shift it to a model where anywhere anybody within TCS could participate, right? So it is challenges like this that we are taking on now to saying that uh, if if location is not a constraint, if anybody can volunteer from anywhere, what are the large problems in society that require uh, human capital support that we can address and solve once and for all? But of course, the core is that our own programs, whether it is Go IT for students or Ignite My Future for educators or Bridge for rural entrepreneurs or youth employment programs for youth. I mean, the, the, these are programs that are now being powered by our employees even more than ever before. What kind of response did you get from employees where all of a sudden, you know, they probably thought, oh, well, we're never going to get to do this. And all of a sudden you open the aperture even further. Uh, in, uh, very, very positive feedback. I mean, a lot of people, I mean, and you would have felt this, I felt it at uh, many times in the last year, a sense of helplessness that, you know, you want to serve, you, you want to support, but you may not be in a place physically to be able to do it, right? And channeling that energy into something positive where you are able to make an impact, I think that that sense of purpose, that sense of, uh, um, you know, being supportive and useful to somebody else is that's that sense is something that we wanted to bring to all of our employees, and that's what we're hearing from people. In fact, uh, we doubled the number of beneficiaries that we serve in this COVID time, uh, around uh, around eight hundred thousand the year before, and one point eight million in the past year uh, during COVID. We had uh, close to eight hundred thousand volunteering hours in the past year. So these are, you know, I'm quoting as numbers because it demonstrates the human spirit, the resilience of the human spirit and uh, what people wanted to do during this time to serve. Um, so that's, that's, that gives me a lot of hope. That's extraordinary. 800,000 hours and 1.8 million served. And I'm assuming now that you've created that thirst to do more, that you're going to do more that you're not going to take it away, correct? <laughs> Absolutely. Democratizing more opportunities, creating more uh, uh, modular opportunities, it gives us hope that even in these constraints, even in this challenging environment, this is what people are able to do if we offer them the opportunity. We will do more. We will do more in the coming years. And uh, uh, that's where when I say purpose is the new tech, I mean, if every organization can activate their employees, to be agents of change, not just in any causes, but causes that are aligned to your strength as an organization. You can create incredible change in society. We'll have to bottle that just on its own uh, in terms of volunteers and during COVID. I want to talk about vaccine equity. 
And at first it was testing equity, and now there's vaccine equity. This is a challenging one. And so what we are addressing head on is that access to vaccine is the first problem that we are solving before asking about uh, um, vaccination status, right? So we have set up COVID centers for employees across the world, and especially in places like India where vaccine equity is a big challenge. We are taking the lead in procurement and distribution and administration of vaccine to our employees. In fact, we are going through a drive as we speak where half a million people are going to be vaccinated in India, both employees as well as their families and extended uh, families and dependents are going to be vaccinated through our efforts. So what we can do to create more vaccine equity for our own employees and their families is the first step that we are taking. Because before we ask the question on whether you're vaccinated, then whether it is safe for you to work in a close environment with others, we have to take the responsibility of providing them the opportunity to do that. So our goal is to give everybody access to communication around vaccines, then followed up with uh, actual access to vaccines. And then, um, you know, based on uh, the, the um, COVID situation and case count and what uh, happens in that particular country or location, um, we will be flexible, but ideally we would like everyone to get vaccinated. If a company is not TCS, if they don't, they haven't really gone through the purpose transformation or they didn't start out that way, um, but they want to do well by their employees and they're inviting people back to the office. Um, can you just say, you know, these are the three things you really should be thinking about before your employees come to the office. And then here's like the three things that you should do in the, you know, the first few days or month that they come back. Uh, I, I think uh, engagement and communication is the first step that you should do even before thinking about coming back uh, or bringing people back, right? Engagement with them to understand their current situation, holding them uh, and uh, listening to them in terms of who's able to, who's not, what their current circumstances are. That help you prepare because then. The second step is planning for what the workplace will look like and who is going to come. You will have a better sense of the capacity. You will know which team, what kind of uh, mix is going to be there in person. And then, uh, you know, preparing the workplace to be safe and uh, hospitable, especially, you know, uh, if there are restrictions in terms of number of feet that uh, you need to have separation between cubicles or office spaces and you have to reconfigure offices or um, you know, change your workplace based on that. So these are steps you can take free. And then once people come back, uh, we spoke about uh, inclusion, right? Really important to understand who is in there and who is not and ensuring that uh, there is no disparity that is created as a result of that. And for those who are in person, how can you provide more services and resources, like, for example, access to food, access to someone to talk to if they have questions and uh, things like that uh, at the workplace so that, um, you know, you're minimizing the chance of them uh, having any health challenges. We've talked to some experts and, and, you know, they say that in the first few weeks, just create opportunities for people to talk about their experience during COVID. And, and I wanted to know if that's important and then um, how maybe you're doing that? So, so important. So when I said trust-based communication and person-based interaction, some of the most popular internal, uh, you know, we have one TCS channel where these discussions are happening um, every other week. And uh, one of the most popular ones are stories of survivors who have gone through COVID, what they experienced and how they overcame it. And so I think... A lot of people have apprehensions and uh, they're looking for shared experiences, right? To be having that sense of community where they recognize that it's they are not alone. Others have gone through similar things or going through similar things. And, and that sense of uh, deep empathy comes from that. So I think listening and understanding, and the, I, I didn't mention this as uh, from a return to office perspective because th you should be doing this even now, right? As an organization, you should be doing this already where you have avenues where people can speak out they can talk about it others can uh, uh, um, you know ask questions 
and uh, that 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 is how you will engender that sense of community and trust based uh, communication so important i hate to cut this off because you and i have great conversations but <laughs> but let's talk about i i really just want to as we're beginning to close it down um what are your predictions or insights for the employee employer relationship going forward like in the next you know 6 months to a year i i think there's a massive transformation in what is in uh, the hr as a space known as uh, social contracts or psychological contracts right where earlier those contracts uh, between employers and employees a lot of it is based on manager employee relationships but also the workplace relationship because uh, your peers and your professional network and uh, that sense of uh, a larger community comes from that face a huge transformation in the next 6 to 12 months it's already going through a transformation right so the practices it's not only the talent practices that you have to transform you have to ask yourself the fundamental question how does that psychological contract that social contract what is that for the post covid or the um, you know uh, the the new way of work right and i believe that uh, the talent uh, clouds that we spoke about the democratization of access of opportunities uh, more inclusion for those who are uh, underserved and marginalized all of this will form a huge basis for those new psychological contracts but let us come back to why we are here and why we are discussing i think purpose will be a huge lever huge enabler for the employee employer relationships in the future because if you are working in a hybrid model and uh, you don't have all the chachkis and the uh, great brands and things that uh, you offer employees when they come into the world of work the office uh, what is going to keep them with you uh that sense of purpose of doing something together that's greater than the sum of uh, their individual parts something that is benefiting society at large that is going to be the driver and uh, companies that recognize that leaders that recognize that are going to really set themselves up for success and create positive change in that process and and i love that you said that and we got to it at the end versus the beginning um and i i might put in the introduction but you made a comment uh, that there was a war on talent prior to covid now it will be something you've never seen before and i i think that for those listening who are ah, i don't know about this purpose thing whatever that you can get really tangible you look at your retention rates your attrition rates but the democratization of people are now working at home and they can go work for anybody purpose would absolutely the glue to keep people as long as it's executed the way you execute it so i wonder if you want to amplify about this war for talent because because i've seen it in in a lot of our clients we've got people just going all sorts of different places it is real right and it is uh, you know without uh, saying right and wrong i think organizations that organically grow talent by investing in their own employees uh, are not experiencing a real war for talent as opposed to those who have to compete to buy talent in the marketplace right so already there are proven models of how we can do that but even in this current situation where uh, anybody can go work for anyone from anywhere i think uh, that uh, the whole anchored in purpose living your values because anybody can walk out on you on any given day right so what is tethering them to you as a company is that sense of purpose and uh, i think uh, culture and how you are cultivating culture if you do it authentically if you are paying attention you don't have to be the best and the most perfect uh, way of doing things you just need to authentically listen to engage and do what uh, you you know is the right thing and you will learn you will learn on the way i think the war for talent will be a war for those who do not invest in their employees if you invest in your own employees if you give the opportunity for people to grow from within it is going to be those employees will bring others they will tell them about what great a workplace it is how fulfilling it is what are the opportunities they are getting and that attracts people and then that retains people because people want to work with people whom they like and uh, respect 
and uh, so that's the positive change that uh, positive uh, uh, virtuous cycle that we are uh, fortunate to be part of thanks to the the leadership and the vision that our leaders have had over the years so covid does have some silver linings in it in terms of these the 800,000 hours the 1.8 million organizations you could serve the continuation of your listening the elevate in you know the training it's because you were very purposeful at the center and investing in employees before covid so i'm going to give the mic to you for the last comments balaji because you're always so you have such wisdom so how would you like to end this conversation and we'll have more in the future for sure i really appreciate the time and two things i want to end with all of this is possible because there are still people on the front lines fighting this disease helping all of us stay safe and healthy so i want to note that whatever we have been able to accomplish as individuals as companies as uh, teams is thanks to their efforts right the final thing is that i believe that we are going to go through what is a catapult effort, uh, effect right a catapult effect okay where we have been pulled back to leap forward and uh, in being pulled back if we have put the right kind of foundation in place if you have tested your hypothesis of what is right and wrong how you can uh, be more purpose driven how you can uh, be more inclusive and uh, uh, really sharpened all of your tools in your repertoire i think the effect that you're going to have is you're going to catapult into the future at such a fast pace of growth and uh, opportunities uh, for yourself and your uh, employees and your customers that it is going to be an incredible one the same for society i believe that uh, you know you asked me the question of will you continue to have this sort of scale and impact we firmly believe that it will be even greater depth and reach of impact that we are going to have because the catapult effect is taking effect as things reopen as we are able to restore resume uh, things uh, the way that um, it's a new way of doing things i also want to acknowledge that when you resume it doesn't mean that we go back to the old ways of doing things it is plus plus right what we were doing now plus what we were able to do when we did not have these restrictions so catapult effect is going to take effect uh, for those who are prepared for it so in our last conversation you dropped this wonderful line purpose is a new technology now you're talking about the catapult effect. So I think that is something that we want to leave with our um, listeners and watch it over the next months. We'll have you back probably in six months or so to see how the catapult effect is, is working out. I do know in some of my reading that you hired, you, were, you had a fast hiring amount during COVID, didn't you? You added thousands. How many did you add? We had close to more than fifty thousand uh, during this time. We honored every offer that was out in the market, and uh, both at the entry level and experience higher level. So we have seen the same pace of growth with higher uh, retention um, during this time. So I want to thank you, Balaji Ganapate. You are just such a, a fountain of wisdom, with such humility and empathy, and we love TCS even more after this conversation. And by the way, I guess some of our runners are asking me, will the marathon be in person this fall? Uh, that's the plan. Um, what the New York Road Runners have decided is to uh, run it in person. Uh, the numbers may be lesser than uh, previous years, but uh, that is the goal. And, and Tashwood, uh, hoping to see all the runners in action come November. There you go. So for those of you who don't don't know the TCS, you've been the um, the sponsor of the New York Marathon for how many years now? It's the sixth year. So TCS New York City Marathon is one of our flagship uh, running events around the world. Uh, we sponsor others, including Chicago, Boston, London, uh, uh, Singapore, many others around the world. And you're the technology partner, too, in those. And so you're constantly just helping people in so many ways. So, Balaji Ganapate, thank you so much for coming back on our show. Um, this has been a fabulous conversation. We now know about the catapult effect. In addition to purpose is a new technology. And I trust that our, that our listeners are going to just gobble up this incredible wisdom about return to work, uh, to be inclusive, to be fair, um, to provide opportunities, lots of learning and education and such. And you too 
can have these extraordinary results that TCS has. In closing, I hope that uh, you will absolutely look at what is the power of your purpose. And if you like our shows, please go to your favorite podcast location and give us a review. We always love those five-star reviews. Eh, if you think we need a little bit of uh, you know, enhancement, give us a four. Um, but we're hearing great feedback from our listeners, and we want more and more people to listen to this show. It is packed with advice of how to truly um, discover and embed your purpose in your organization for both increased business impacts and societal impacts as well. Um, we'd also like you to suggest guests. Um, we are now on a tear to, we have this list of the um, unreachables and it's people like, I want to get Richard Branson on the show. I want to get Paul Pullman. I might have a way to get Paul Pullman. Uh, Mark Benioff, um, Mary Barra. Um, love to get CEOs on the show and um, or others. You might know some B Corps that you say, yeah, get those B Corps um, on your show, Carol. Send us uh, any suggestions. And if you actually have an in with that high level person, so much the better. So again, what is the power of your purpose? And we hope you join us for our next show soon. So thank you, Balaji. Thank you, Carol. Such a pleasure.